Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour concerning the church Jesus is building is our goal affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. I want to pick up in this episode where I left off and where I was going to, which is, this is about politics, preaching, prophesying, praying, prudence, patience, and perseverance. So I'm going to touch upon all seven of those things in this episode. So this COVID-19 outbreak has produced an unprecedented, at least in modern times, scenario in which there is a contemporaneous confluence, if you will, of seven main elements that I've been able to identify. Uh, and those are what I just enumerated, politics, preaching, prophesying, praying, patience, prudence, and perseverance. And all seven of these, in a way, are kind of competing contemporaneously for precedence in this national and global discussion, each of these having a legitimate place in the discussion. While on one hand, they are indeed competing in both substance and proposed objectives and outcomes, on the other hand, they all comprise the mosaic of the present circumstance facing not only our nation, but all of the 195 nations of the world, though differently at this time in each that must be properly balanced against one another. All of these must be properly balanced against one another. Let me talk about the political aspect of this. The, the ready seeding, surrendering, forfeiting, if you will, of our constitutional rights in exchange for salvation by the government from a virus. That's what's kind of what's going on, to put a description to it. It's astonishing beyond words to me personally that the American people have so easily and quickly, with relatively little resistance, ceded their constitutional rights over to a federal government and states and local municipal governments that have in concert cast aside the Constitution along with all established democratic restraints and moved to seize what the P 
appears to be an autocratic control of the entire nation in just a matter of several weeks since this outbreak happened. And it was a virus that causes trampling in the process upon such First Amendment liberties respecting religion and peaceable assembly. I suppose martial laws next. And the majority of the American people will just lay passively down and let that happen as well. Now, hold on, let me unpack this a little bit. As I say, there are competing elements here. Now, there may be a scenario in a time when such drastic measures may be necessary, quote, for the good of the nation. Like after 9-11, we had to allow the seeding of certain First Amendment rights for the sake of the better and other amendments for the good of the nation. But the issue here and now in this scenario, frankly, is not really one of them by any rational definition. Now, I am not, hear me now, not inferring that at this juncture in this national and global crisis that it is time for civil disobedience. I'm not saying that. I believe, and the Bible bears this out, that civil disobedience, resisting the overreaching of their authority by civil governments is a valid and even God-authorized measure when, hear me now, when the situation calls for that. But personally, my personal opinion is that we are not there yet in this matter, this present scenario. So I'm not inferring that at this juncture, that civil disobedience is called for. Right now, for the meantime, I firmly believe patience and prudence. Remember, I mentioned that as the two of the seven. Patience and prudence. Prudence obviously means wisdom. Are the key elements that should be observed right now at this time. Personally, again, my personal opinion, and some will say, well, it's only that, a personal opinion, and everyone has those, so it doesn't mean much. And to some degree, that's probably true, except that I am saying this because I believe with everything that's in me that I'm speaking this as a surrogate spokesman of God. And I am representing that this is God's opinion in so doing. But I strongly believe that continued patience and prudence are the right thing right now. It's the right thing, patience and prudence. You know, I believe President Trump is doing a remarkable job of balancing what the healthcare experts are advising in order to vanquish if you will, the spread or limit it or mitigate the spread of this coronavirus with the necessity at some point to restarting the vast engines of our nation that have made it the greatest nation on earth. 
You can hear it in his words, the president's words, that he knows full well and is chomping at the bit to get our national machinery humming again and restart the national economy before it has been shut down for so long that it will require decades to repair the effects of it, such as what occurred after the 1929 crash, for instance, and there have been others. Sound and rational thinking dictates that that is so. Hence, there comes a point when the interests of our politicians who we have elected to run our governments prevail over the concerns, as real as they are, of the physicians. The politicians over the physicians who comprise the healthcare industry and its vested interests. The politicians we have elected will have to deal with those political elements of the nation and its states, but the church, the ecclesia that Jesus is building, is another matter. That is not the domain or purview of politicians or physicians, for that matter, unless they're born-again Christians and therefore part of, part of it, and the same thing goes to, for politicians. But I mean as the, in their role as politicians and physicians, but rather the leaders God has anointed and appointed for the church's governing and administration. This is where that element I mentioned of preaching comes in. And I want to speak to church leaders. Church leaders need to get a grip. They need to get a get. A, they need to get a grip. Repent themselves in their personal lives. They need to repent themselves in their personal lives. They then also need to repent of their cowardice, and in many cases, that's what it is, and their compromising politician ways. If you're a preacher, you're not called to be a politician. You're, you're called to be a representative of God. They're compromising politician ways of tickling the ears of their followers to enamor themselves to the people, the seeker-friendly, candy-coated, easy-listening messages that they preach, and start preaching the truth of the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God that pulls no punches, that apologizes to no one. It's the Word of God. It's not your Word. It's the Word of God. And you need to identify it as such. Preach the truth in love, God's love. And in preaching the truth is love. Hello? Don't you know that? Surely you know that by now, right? If you're a preacher. And you've been a preacher more than a week or two. Preaching the truth is love. God is love. And he's the ultimate source of real true love, of real truth. So you need to start preaching the truth of the word of God. Otherwise, God will do a mass house cleaning and remove all of them, and it's not doing that. That's what I believe. God may use this crisis to do a massive house cleaning. He might. 
and remove all these cowardly preachers that care more about themselves than they do really about the flock. They're really wolves in sheep's clothing because real true shepherds lay down their life for the flock. God may do a house cleaning and remove all those people. Because you know what? The Bible says it is time. It is time. It is time. And if it was time when this was spoken, good Lord, it's really time now. It is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. Where does judgment begin? With the household of God. Friends, God may be using this crisis to invoke judgment in the church. You say, how's he going to do that? That don't make any sense. I don't know. I can't tell you all the ways. I have some idea, but I'm not going to even purport to speak for God on that. But with God, all things are possible. God can do anything. Don't you ever think that God can't do it just because you don't understand it and just because you don't know how it would be done. Don't ever think that God can't do it. God can do anything. But you know, in this hour, we need church leaders around this nation and the globe, the entire world, to begin to preach messages that are essentially expositions of the primary points of this familiar passage that some are preaching, some are talking about, and that has become very familiar to most of us, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. I want to read into that so that we can understand what God is saying in this time. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Thus Solomon, this is the son of King David, thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's palace and successfully completed all that he had planned on doing in the house of the Lord and in his palace. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer. Wow. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad God hears us? And have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land. You know, there's locusts devouring the land in Africa right now, in the Horn of Africa. Or if I send pestilence among my people. This is a pestilence. That's what this is. And my people who are called by my name, and my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then... I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Thank God, God put this on the record. God put it in his word. And therefore, he cannot violate this. This is a part of his word. Thank God is there. God's mercy. If God didn't have mercy, we would have nothing but punishment. And it would all be already be happening. There'd be no way to come to him. But he has mercy. And I want to connect that with Romans 8.28. Listen. And we know. Have you ever noticed the things that Paul, the apostle, says? I think there's like several times where he says, and we know. And Have you ever noticed that the things that he says we know, those are the very things that we mostly don't know? 
most people don't know. And we know that all things, wow, say that to yourself, all things, all things, all things. Do you think that includes this, this uh, COVID-19 pandemic? Do you think that might include that? That all things work together for good. For what? For good. You know, I just like to say the word good. Good, the word God is comes from the word good. To those who love God, they work together. All things work together for good to those who love God. That's you and me. We love God. We don't reject God. We don't hate God. To those who are called according to his purpose, we are called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. Extolling, elucidating, and experiencing life in the Spirit is the goal of Spirit Life Magazine, located online at spiritlifemag.com. Powerful, relative, timely, and spiritually enriching articles by various Christian writers from a Spirit-filled, Spirit-baptized perspective at spiritlifemag.com. That's spiritlifemag.com. You know, I strongly urge every listener right now to go to the website spiritlifemag.com. That's spiritlifemag.com. And go to the archives page. And look up, or just do a search, and look up an article that is entitled, America Under Attack. I wrote that article right after 9-11, regarding 9-11, 9-11-01, regarding 9-11. And I want you to read that article and look at the remarkable parallels regarding the horrific terroristic event in our national history to what's going on with this COVID-19 terrorism. Remember, I talked about this in previous episodes, that this all emanates from the ultimate terrorist, who is Satan himself. What's going on with this COVID-19 terrorism in the nation right now, and what this nation is experiencing here in 2020? The parallels are amazing. Now, here's some of what I wrote in that article that is so very apropos. I just picked out some of these things from that article during this COVID-19 crisis. Here's some of what I said. And the church must quickly come to the realization, as did President Bush. President Bush was the president at that time, regarding the senseless attacks on America, that the attacks against us are not merely acts of terrorism by a terrorist. They go beyond that. They are acts of war. Isn't it interesting that even our president is saying this is an act of war and that the people that are fighting in this battle are warriors? It's true. And this is an act of war not 
I'm not saying this came from China and that China's behind this necessarily, and that's not what I'm getting at here. I'm talking about it's an act of war from Satan. It's a spiritual war. The intent of this enemy, who is Satan, the Bible says, your adversary, the devil, your adversary, the devil, your adversary, the devil. Our real enemy is the devil. The intent of this enemy is not merely to terrorize, but as it says in John 10, 10, to steal, kill, and destroy. I've been saying that throughout this series. The chief enemy is not merely engaging in psychological warfare. Rather, this is a shoot-to-kill war. That's what Satan's wanting to do, kill. The sooner we recognize this reality and respond with deadly and unrelenting force against the assailant, the fewer the casualties and the lesser the losses. Without the slightest hesitation, trepidation, and intimidation, we must aggressively engage ourselves in the warfare against the forces of the enemy in which we have been conscripted. That means drafted. Utilizing, quote, the weapons of our warfare which are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses or strongholds. And that's a quote from 2 Corinthians 10.4. Remembering at all times, though, that the real enemy is not flesh and blood, that is, people, nor is the real enemy a virus. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He made it, and it's there because Satan's spreading. But the real enemy is not any of that. It's not flesh and blood. It's not people. It's not the virus. But the true enemy behind all warfare waged against us in the natural is a spiritual enemy, a spirit being, along with unnumbered hordes of diabolical spirit being cohorts. Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, there is one critical word of advisement to the church that it must begin to hear and heed. Again, I'm still reading from this article that I wrote or published the day after I wrote it, the day up, but they published the day after, 911. The body of Christ must begin to understand and incorporate into its collective psyche and strategies that the head does nothing without doing it through the body. Christ is the head, and we are his body. The perhaps enigmatic divine choice is, rather than bypass the betrothed bride, to deputize her and to work through her to implement every aspect of divine plans and purposes. Though the church assuredly is the family of God, endowed with and the conduit of the agape love of God, it, the church, is also the army of God, equipped with the weapons of spiritual warfare and enjoined by God 
as his soldiers to carry out his strategic battle plans against the megalomaniac and mastermind behind all evil perpetrated upon the earth. Compare that with Ephesians 6.11. We are the army of God and not a bunch of ragtag, undisciplined, untrained, independent commandos without leadership or direction. No. Just as American armed forces are the most highly trained, skilled, armed, commanded, and lethal in the world, so also is the spiritual armed forces of God. Though many segments of the church at large do not understand this, nor even the imperativeness of it, it is nonetheless true. As outlandish as it may sound to some, no true believer is called to be a pacifist. Rather, every Christian is called and anointed to be a spiritual warrior. Likewise, the church must draw the parallels of these principles regarding war in the natural and apply them to the war in which we have been engaged for eons against the real enemy behind all evil and hatred in the world. Believers must begin to develop an appetite for the spiritual intelligence and guidance of its corporate intelligence agents, the prophets, as well as give them the funding necessary for them to do their job, a la the U.S. Congress and the National Intelligence Agencies. The body of Christ, that is the army of God, must also begin to follow the commands and directives of its preeminent spiritual military leaders, the apostles, through the wartime strategies they propose in comparison to peacetime strategies, so to speak. The church has been engaging for centuries. Now, this may seem to some to be radical, overly aggressive, mystical, and even irrational at times. Let us rise up, saints of God, out of our arrogance and spiritual lethargy into which we have been allured by the accoutrements and privileges of our enormous and unprecedented per capita wealth in this country. Let us never forget that the love of money is the root of all evil. First comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. First Chronicles fifteen forty six. Events taking place in the natural realm are often a reflection and even forewarning of what is or is about to happen in the spiritual realm. Let us, the body of Christ, not wait for the terrorist attacks of the arch-terrorist, Satan, to awaken us out of our arrogance and complacency. Again, that I've been quoting from that article that I wrote after 911 and how much that applies. It's amazing to what we're facing right now.
I want to end this episode by reiterating. What I am saying is that there is something that the church must do beyond what the civil authorities are doing and things that only the church can do. That the civil government, that the civil authorities per se, as the civil authorities cannot do. They cannot wage the spiritual warfare that needs to be waged against this horrible virus that Satan has sent in order as an attempt to try to take down America. The civil government can't do that per se as the civil government. The Only the church can do that. Only believers can do that. That's what we're called to do. And to that I say, amen and amen. And God bless America. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God, all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.